Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ben and Chris Talk Football. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news and notes and happenings from around the NFL. Really fun show today. No real playoff games to talk about. No games this weekend. I mean, we have the Pro Bowl, but whatever. So we have a couple of fun topics. We're going to talk a little bit about the first round pick, Cincinnati willing to trade or not. We're going to talk about some rule changes they're trying at the Pro Bowl. Potential rule changes. And then we're going to talk about a little apology that ESPN tried to issue. Attempted. Attempted to. Too little too late. But first, the big news this week, in all honesty, Eli Manning announced instead of hitting free agency and, you know, maybe seeing if he can get a job somewhere else in the league, he's going to retire. He's going to hang him up after 16 seasons. I, I mean, it's... It's time. Yeah, I think so. I think if he put another season in, it, it might look like his brother's last season. I think Maybe his last worse. few seasons looked like his brother's last season, honestly. Yeah. He wasn't great last year. and He, he, he went out on a high note. He did have that, that Week 16 game. He did. At MetLife Stadium, left with the lead. You know, good way for him to go out. Yeah. Had a really nice career. I mean, I'm just looking at some of his accomplishments here. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Yep. We, unfortunately, as Patriots fans, are all too aware of that. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. Four-time Pro Bowler. Won the uh, 2016 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, that which is... is that, is, that is something to That be. is a prestigious award. It's given to the top... Uh, there's a representative from each team uh, in the league, uh, and they're selected for their positive contributions to their community. Yep. So that's that's a very you know no 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 making fun of any of that. That's all really positive stuff. Good for him. Now, the natural question here: what, you have a guy like that? this, and everybody out there already knows where I'm going. Ah, uh, yes. And if you listened to our bonus clip for our Facebook hundred uh, subscribers uh, bonus, you would know the answer to some of this already. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? In your mind, Ben, is Eli Manning, is Peyton's little brother, is Archie's little boy a Hall of Famer? Archie's little boy, the first family of the NFL. Eh. No. He's going to be voted in. Yes. But he's not. Because I... of two good games, he's getting in the Hall of Fame? No. No. You can't say he only had two good games his entire career. That, that's a little ridiculous. But two... Good games are getting him in the... If in you're the, going to have two good games, he picked the really, really, really best possible time to have those two good games. It's still just two good games. And I would debate one of them shouldn't have happened because Richard Seymour had a hold from the offensive lineman on his face mask, and that should have been called. Well... Plus, he was in the grass. So it wasn't. That should have been it, called. It, it wasn't. So we got to, you know, good thing you don't cling on to it. You can let it go. That's, I, that's I, good to see. I do not hold grudges. Closure. That's good. Look at some of his numbers. I mean, it. it it's kind of a, oh, yeah, that, that's Hall of Fame. And then you look at the next stat, and it's no, not at all. His overall record, 117 and 117. It's a Ooh. 500 quarterback as Stunning. a career, as a starter. Stunning. That is not Hall of Fame material. No, it's not. Not Hall of Fame material at all. However, look at his career passing yards. 
57,023 career passing yards. That is Hall of Fame caliber passing. However, then you look at his career touchdowns, 366. Nothing to shake a stick out there. That's seventh respectable. In, seventh all time. That is very, very respectable. Absolutely. There's one problem. Career interceptions is the yang to that yang at 244. That is ridiculous. That is 46 more interceptions than Captain Interception himself, Philip Rivers. Ooh. The very guy who Eli was technically traded for on draft day when Eli, you know, when Eli's daddy decided he wasn't playing in San Diego. So they've had kind of comparable careers. And I want to say. Because a lot of times he, he's compared to him. They say. I think a majority of the time. Eli and, and Phillip Rivers, just because of what happened on draft day between the two of those and the Giants and Chargers, is, you know, are they Hall of Famers? Phillip Rivers, I can say, I don't believe he is. He no, has some, he some, some, some nice stat accumulation, but you put Philip Rivers in a clutch situation, and he folds like origami. He can't do it. Like, he he like, sucks. Like Eli and, and, and Philip are even, except Eli's got those two games because, well, Philip couldn't get over the couldn't couldn't get over the hill. He just couldn't get over it. No, he had opportunities. Couldn't get there. Philip couldn't get over the speed bump. Philip Rivers could never get out of his own damn way. Hence why he has never been able to get there. And I'll tell you this much. Eli Manning, you know, I said this on on our our bonus bonus clip. You don't look at Eli Manning and go, oh, no. It's the fourth quarter. We're down by, you know, we're up by five and Eli has the ball. You were never... You never looked at that and went, oh, God, we're screwed. It was like, oh, hope he doesn't trip over you know, his shoelace and hurt himself. He just never seemed like that threatening. But he had that Manning clutch gene. Like, Peyton, you feared. You feared. If, if, if Peyton had the ball and you, you were up by two scores and there was more than, like, a minute left, you were like, oh, God, he can do this. Well, Eli didn't have, quite have that same fear. But Eli's problem was not rising to the occasion when it was – subpar competition. Eli always seemed to play at a pretty decent level when he was playing against good competition. He which just, is kind of a, a, a strange, kind of an enigma. Like That's perfect. If you can do one, it's just why can't perfect. you do the other? I mean, he's got... He, went, he made the playoffs six times. So he's got two Super Bowl rings, as we pointed out. The other four times, one and done. Okay. One and done. Done. Have a nice day. Well, those two rings carry a lot of weight, though. I, that's the thing. That's my that's my point, is that he is getting in there solely on those two rings. Kurt Warner got in on his one ring and three Super Bowl appearances. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some stats. Shoot. Okay. This quarterback, 124 career starts. Okay. His overall record was 67 and 49. Okay. 32,000 plus passing yards. So well, well below Eli. Mm-hmm. Well below Eli. I mean, closer, closer to half that would be comfortable. Okay. 208 touchdowns, 128 interceptions. Okay. Can you guess who that quarterback is? I'm going to guess he predates 1990. Yes or no? Interesting. 
Those mediocre overall stats for a career are those of Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner. Oh, the one I just talked about. The one you just talked about. I, oh, th- wow. I thought you were going. Interesting. That's Kurt Warner. But, yeah, he's got the same thing. He had three, like you said, he had three appearances and one win. Right. And he's got a few, at least two MVP, uh, season MVPs. I think he has two, two MVP awards in the season. But Eli has them everywhere in the stats, and he has an extra ring. There's no way. This this guy, I guess, I called him an enigma earlier. He had, he had one of the most confusing careers I've ever seen. Because you never looked at him and went, this guy's accumulating Hall of Fame stats. But at the end of 16 seasons, you look at him and you say, well, there's a lot of guys who have either one ring or no rings who have lesser stats than him in the Hall of Fame. And Eli's going to be a Hall of Famer. I, there's, I, I, I know you said that earlier, but I, I, I don't. And a lot of people, I'm not I'm not offended by Eli Manning being a Hall of Famer, I, to be very clear. Like, it's not so egregious, it's ridiculous. Like, it doesn't, like, make you shake your head and question the system. Like, you can look at those numbers and the two Super Bowls and say, all right, yeah, I, I can understand that. Kurt Warner, I never understood. Well, I, I never, I, I know it was the ring. I know it was the MVPs. Me, you want me to explain it to you why he got in? Yeah. How many years has he been on the NFL Network? Yeah, I guess. You'd like to think that's not the reason, it, but. It, it, it carries, unfortunately, it carries over. It's like in baseball. If you're someone who is fringe, you know, Hall of Famer, admit you need something to get you over the edge, go into broadcasting. Go into an- analyst. A-Rod, the, the sole reason why A-Rod is doing Sunday Night Baseball is to try to get his name recognition up above of what he what he did. Oh, the steroid and, you know, yeah, coming, PED scandals, yeah. He's coming up next year. Right. He's trying to get himself. In the good graces of all the writers and everything. They, he want, he yeah. wants to be that darling. And what is A-Rod right now? He is the media darling. Everyone loves A-Rod. For some reason. I don't think but he's that good. Let's not forget the steroids. Someone like David Ortiz, he doesn't need it. He's doing it because he, he can if he wants to. But he doesn't need to do it. I think David Ortiz just likes talking to people. Right. He's that just is. a sociable guy. And he wants to be around people. Yeah. Like just some people he shouldn't be around. No. Um, that's what Kurt Warner did. He registered that he probably is a fringe Hall of Famer. And I would debate he probably doesn't belong in there because of his short career. But he did get two different franchises to the Super Bowl. He won one. He went to three. But he spent enough years on the NFL Network that he got enough of uh, enough Hall of Famers in the good graces, and he got in. That's all oh, I can say. To be very clear, I never questioned Kurt Warner's talent. I fully believe had he had a um, you know, 14, 16, 17-year career, those numbers would have been astronomical, and he would have been a Hall of Famer without question. He did start late. Right. But I don't think... You get to like retroactively overcompensate because he got a late start, or oh, he probably if you played longer would get these stats. Like it, it's not about what you could have, would have, should have done. In that case, if Joe Burrow comes out in the draft this year and throws for five thousand yards and forty touchdowns, and then he gets you know hurt and he can only play one season, oh, we're gonna put him in the Hall of Fame. If he kept doing that for twelve years, he would have been in there. I mean. If Patrick Mahomes never plays another down, oh, he's he's you know 
he's a Hall of Famer because he would have done this. Well, you don't know that he didn't do it, right? So you, you can't you can't do that. And I don't I don't think a guy like Warner should be in. I think if he played five or six more years at least, no problem. I, I think also, Eli will be in. I also think I also think looking at it because if we look at the stats right now of what he did, his like three year run in uh, St. Louis where he put up massive stats at that time. Those were massive stats. Right now, they're eh, they're they're mediocre. Well, not mediocre. They're they're above average. Well, um, he just he just I like I said he's he he was he's been on the NFL Network for a while, and people look at that three year run where ninety nine they went and won, two thousand one they went and didn't win, and it was just so astronomically high that they just they just look at it and say he is so dominant at that short period of time plus this plus this plus this gets him in it'd be like we will agree on this i know we will kurt Schilling should be in correct i don't think so you don't no Whoa. i don't think he has the numbers i love what he did for the old four red sox that was that was tremendous do we want to dive into this even though it's baseball no okay. we're not a baseball show okay we can dive I, into I it. Just, we, I, we can dive into it and answer questions online if people have questions. Okay. But I, I, I thought we were going to agree on it, but no. I guess not. But and no, nothing to do with what he believes in. Nothing to do with right. his attitude. Nothing. To, I mean, and that's not where I was going to go. No, 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 no. I know that. I, I just don't think numbers wise he has the stats. But that's why. That's why he's. That's why Kurt Warner's in. Is he just? He has this period of time where he's just so up there, and he's been this media darling. That has gotten him his reputation higher than, let's be honest, it really is. He was really good for a very short period of time. Eli Manning, he's been, can I, can I say average throughout his career? Average to very good at times. And he had a few sparkles of greatness. Yeah. And that's what got him in. That's the difference between Philip and, and Eli. Yeah, Phil never Phillip had, any never of had that sparkle of greatness to get him in the Super Bowl. Philip, Philip, Philip would see greatness wide open and throw an interception of mediocrity. <laughs> no. I think uh, you know. Congratulations to Eli. It was, it was a hell of a career. I remember watching the day you were drafted and making fun of you for the way you uh, got out of San Diego. But nonetheless, we will move on to our next topic: the uh, Bengals. Ah, the Bengals. But the first overall pick, right? Which is universally, I believe, for the most part, accepted that it's going to be quarterback Joe Burrow of yes. LSU. I mean, he put down that that record. Yeah, and he, he, I mean, he's just been he was dominant all year. Yes. The Bengals are very much in need of a franchise quarterback. That is, however, correct. they would not dispute the claim that they're willing to trade that first round pick away. No, they did because they had sources come out. On the 19th, that said, they're not going to trade it. They're absolutely against it, and they're taking Joe Burrow. The next day, Duke Tobin, the Bengals' director of player personnel, is disputing ESPN's report that Cincinnati would not trade the first overall pick. They haven't made a decision. They're still sifting through everything. They're early in the process. 
That means maybe they will trade it, maybe they won't trade it, but they haven't made a decision yet. It's the right thing for him to say. It puts everything on the table. It tells everyone in the league, hey, look, we're still open for business. Oh, absolutely. You may have to come at me with a big offer, oh, it but would we're take still a lot. open. It would take a lot. This is not what 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 player can you think of in the past that was like I think Mario Williams, like off the top of my head, he was like signed before the draft even. Right. Well, started. the Bengals, the year they drafted Carson Palmer, number one overall, they signed him they before signed the draft. They signed him before it's... the draft even started. Yep. And I don't know, I don't know if there's a rule now in place or whatever, but it makes sense for Cincinnati to go out and say that. But I would say ESPN's probably correct, and there's no way in hell they're trading this pick. I don't think they will. But I think they listen to offers. Because if you get a team that's really desperate, you get a team like Miami that hasn't had a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino and has you know a good head coach in place and, and some nice pieces and has, thanks to the you know Larry Mutunsel <laughs> trade, has and the several Mika, disposable first-round picks. And the Mika Fitzpatrick. And Mika Fitzpatrick, yep. You got five first in the next two years. You could trade. You could say to them, hey, what three picks do you want? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. If I'm Cincinnati, I say, ah, three picks, huh? No, 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 sir. Take all those picks, put them on the table. We'll have an agreement. Oh, there's no way. Oh, yeah. that's what I do. Oh, no. If you're yeah, Here's the thing. If you're Cincinnati and you don't intend on trading anyways unless somebody wows you, then why not go Jordan. for it? If you're honestly trying to trade it or you think, you know, you think Burrow, if you see something in Joe Burrow that makes you think he's not the guy, because we've seen guys – who looked like sure things. Oh, yeah. Remember that debate between Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning? Yeah, there was a debate. There was a huge debate. And Peyton Manning, first ballot, Hall of Famer, hands down, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Ryan Leaf, uh, not so much. No. Not so much. Do you know how we pick bank and tank? Or bank or tank? Yeah. And then we say, bank, that's the good. Well, Peyton Manning would be the bank. And Ryan Leaf would be the tank. No, now you're disrespecting Tank. No, no, no. I'm saying he's the epitome of it. I mean, he is. He There's is. a reason our last place trophy in our league is called the Ryan Leaf Memorial Trophy. That is fair. But I, I would know what it looks like. I've had it a couple years in a row one time. I mean, you made up for it, though. Yeah, I did. I, I, Five first-round picks for, wow, I, that'd be something. I mean, the only the, there's only one team in the league. That I can think of, okay? That if they had five first-round picks in a two-year span, would do it. Well, no. I was going to say one team, but they're, actually they're moving the Las Vegas Raiders. Because John Gruden's crazy enough to do it, especially especially if he likes Joe Burrow. Yeah, he is. He, he wants his franchise quarterback. Oh, yeah, he does. He does not. I, look, there's enough rumors out there. I will say he does not like Derek Carr. He has a, he had a 10-year deal. He's going into year three. He has all sorts of crazy options and, 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 and things of that nature if it were to go south and he were to be removed as head coach. So I don't see them removing him as head coach unless he were to deal like three and 13, four years in a row. So he's there for the long haul. He's your coach. And he would love nothing better than to get his hands on a franchise quarterback. I think the only thing saving it, uh, you know, saving it from like, because I think they got two first this year. 
I think. I'm not 100% sure. But the only thing saving the fact that, you know, John Gruden doesn't take all his first and seconds this year and next year and shove him in front of Cincinnati and say, here, take it all, is that Mike Mayock is the GM and he'll say, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. That's not how we draft. I know that. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I had a great draft last year. Look at all those players I picked. We work together on this. So that's the thing that's stopping it. But John Gruden, we know John Gruden loves quarterbacks. And I would think he would, ta- he would take everything he could to go get Joe Burrow. Because on the outside looking in, he is a guy that loves quarterbacks, and he would love to have Joe Burrow. But he ain't getting them because they're like, what, teens? Yeah, they're, they're in the middle of the middle mid-teens, they're, yeah. They're, they're on, un- in an unfortunate spot where they don't want to be is the middle of the pack. But I think this is right by the Bengals of what they did. It's probably correct reporting by the the uh, the ESPN. Well, that's a that's a nice uh, I know it's, it's change a change of pace. But the Bengals should listen up until that last second. I'd say minute when there's a minute left on the clock and they hand in that card and say it says it says Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati. That's when they stop talking about it. I think that, I mean I think they already know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the thing is, like I said, there have been people, players who've come out and been flops. Oh, yeah. Who are very, very highly touted, as highly touted as Joe Burrow. And I, I don't know enough about – I don't watch enough college football to really be able to be incredibly informed on this. I know you watch a lot of college football. When you watch Joe Burrow play – do you see a guy who can translate to the NFL the way everybody's acting like he can? Or do you see the next flavor of the month? You need you need to put the right – it's just like Lamar Jackson. Because he's not a big guy. No, you need to put the right offense in there. You, need, you can't just say, here's a pro-style offense. Okay, Joe, you're going to play in a pro-style offense. No. You need, to, you need to sit back with these college quarterbacks because they don't, they don't play under center. And they have to get repetition under center to get practice on that. So you need to bring in an offense to be successful for Joe Burrow to be successful. And he destroyed multiple defenses this year that were upper echelon. Georgia was the most dominant defense in the league. Yeah, he picked them apart. Their head coach coaches the defensive backs. They are like the captains of the team. And he destroyed them. Yeah. Wasn't even close. He went. What did he do to Clemson? Go on. Oh, yeah. Put him to sleep. Said, no, no, no. We're good. Oklahoma, he bu- we buried them. Yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. And Oklahoma. These are very proud and, and, and respectable programs, too. Right. You just need to have the right system in place. It's just like, remember what happened to Jared Goff? Yes. I would bet Jeff Fisher just had his OC up. Pro-style offense, this is what we do. This is what we've been doing forever. This is what we've been doing since I was the head coach in Houston. <clears throat> that's probably what happened, and that's why <clears throat> when Sean McVay came in, changed the whole thing. He, he evolved the offense around Jared Goff with the <clears throat> added uh, bonus of being the puppet master. That's what you need Makes to do. Makes himself more useful. Yes. Uh, that's what you need to do with Joe Burrow. You need to have, and they have uh, Zach Taylor, who was 
who is linked to Sean McVay, so we know by default he's going to be successful, right? Well, anybody who has at least, you know, had coffee with Sean McVay is going to be a Super Bowl winning coach. There you go. So, according to all these teams now going crazy for these guys. Yeah, so he's got that going for him. But if you don't, if you try to force him into a system, it's just like if you tried to put Lamar Jackson in the Patriots' offensive system, you think he'd be successful? No. Yeah, they'd have to. They'd have to make adjustments because that's just not his style. And that's what you need to do. You need to. You need to bring Joe Burrow in. You have this dynamic, and we'll say he is a dynamic running back in Joe Mixon. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you have some nice offensive pieces. Maybe you bring back Tyler Eifert, whatever. You, maybe if you feel like it. You got some nice pieces, and you work with it. But you integrate him into a system that works for him. So you, what do you do? Well, you don't, you don't do, who was it that we brought up? I'm trying to think. The coach that, that um, was going to go back and, back and look at tape. Oh, Adam Gase. Was going to go back and look at tape of uh, Le'Veon Bell? To see if the player who he had the entire year, if he actually wanted yeah, Right, yeah. right. But instead of doing that, I, I think what Zach Taylor needs to do, he needs to do the look at the tape before they draft him to see if he can integrate an offense. Right. And then integrate that offense at OTAs, minicamp, and training camp, and preseason. Don't wait until the next offseason. Here's the thing. This... Joe Burrow is one of those talents where there's not a lot of guys who, coming out of college, you could say, we have the first pick, we're going to take this guy, unless you give us a haul and actually have a chance at getting it. Right. As much as I like Kyler Murray as a player, and as as well as he performed this year, and I think he's going to be a really, really good NFL quarterback, I really do, teams just weren't going to give away the farm to get that first pick from Arizona last year to take him. No. It wasn't going to happen. There were too many concerns about his size and this and that and the other thing. Burroughs seems like the kind of guy where if a team wanted him, I could see them giving up two firsts in a couple of seconds or three firsts and some late-round picks just to try to get up there and get their franchise quarterback. I personally wouldn't like it if my team were to do it because that's just betting way too much on one player where if you build a solid – foundation as a team and you get people that fit within the system you can have a competitive franchise without putting all your eggs in the basket of one player like the Patriots haven't had their success simply because of Tom Brady he's been a great part of it yeah and I hope to see him back in, in a Patriots uniform next year but he doesn't play defense he doesn't play special teams He's had some bad games. He's had some great games. Like it, it isn't just one player that leads to success. He's been the face of it, but it's not just him. So you, they have to decide if somebody offers them a basket of draft picks, are we going to walk away from all this? We could. The Bengals are a team that's hurting. Anybody they have that's decent is coming up in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. and they really don't have anything to fall back on for like a face of the franchise kind of player. And they need Joe Burrow for that. This is it. This is what you This is why you started Finley. I mean, you could say you you started him to see what you had. But you know you had a better chance of winning games with Andy Dalton than you did with Ryan Finley. Correct? We can Oh yeah, for sure. We can say yeah. that. 
So this is why you did that is because you wanted to have an opportunity at getting the best the best player you think is on the board. Because for a long time, for at least the first couple of weeks or a month of the college season, everybody thought it was Tua, not not. It was Tua to Miami, and Miami was going to get the first pick. Yeah, and Miami won, and then all of a sudden, well, Joe Burrow starting to really that 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 engine got going, and then Tua had his uh, hip injury. Who, by the way, he will still be a top five pick. Oh, absolutely. He's Besides, still, yeah, for in sure. spite of what a couple people have said, he is still a top five pick. But Joe Burrow. He didn't throw a pick in his last five games. And he was playing top-notch and he defenses played, and teams. Like I said, he played Georgia in the SEC championship game, which is huge. That's the best two teams in the best conference. Oklahoma, he went and torched, but Oklahoma's defense is not great. But I, it, it sticks in my head. He Clemson and Georgia, he beat both those teams handily. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Over 700 yards passing. And he runs the ball, too. He's athletic. He does both. I'm just saying. And this is his... I thought it was his first full season. I was incorrect. He had he played last year. He didn't have as good of a season. Which means they changed the offense. He, Clearly he it worked. So this is his second full season playing. So he's not one of those one-year quarterbacks. I think I think we might see someone. I don't want to put a name. I don't want to put a name with him because that's not fair to him. So if you're the Bengals. Yeah. First of all, I'm sorry. Uh, apology accepted. If you're the Bengals mm-hmm. and a team comes to you and says, I know you need a face of the franchise. I know you can draft Joe Burrow. And especially now that they have the the graded pay system for for first round, you know, for for picks, I'm going to offer you a haul, a huge haul. We're talking multiple first round picks, some second round picks, some late round picks, some conditional picks for Joe Burrow, or for the first overall pick. We're going to take Burrow. You can rebuild your franchise with your picks and the picks we're going to trade you over the next two to three years. Or you can have this one guy. If you're the Bengals, what do you do and what do you think they'll do? Well, see, I think the – and I'd have to do research. I think you can't trade three years in advance. I no, think I believe it's only two. I think there's a rule. But so if you, you have only, multiple picks, then you can. Right. You can only play – you only trade that year. And the following and year. And the following year. So that, hurt, that hurts because now you're only looking at certain teams. And that's the problem, is some teams don't have the artillery. I mean... If I'm looking at the Raiders, and they want to move up, and the Raiders got two picks in the middle rounds, you don't have enough, man. Kevin Costner traded three first-round picks in draft day. You're telling me that Hollywood doesn't always... He was wrong. It doesn't always, like, mirror real life? No. He was wrong. That was a really good movie, though. I liked it, but it was a little bit... They they took some creative licensing licensing because that was not true. Shocking. I, I it would have to be an incredible. De- I'm this team would have to put in front of me at least four first round picks 
in a couple seconds to get me to sit down with my staff and say, look, can we draft a quarterback with the highest pick that we're getting? Or can we make a deal to right. get up back in the top of the draft to get Tua? Are well, wouldn't com- that be something? Yeah. Are we confident enough in Justin Herbert to say, is he good enough? I just say no. They get they get multiple picks, and then he trade half of those. They get back up in front of Miami, and they take Tua, and they still walk away with draft picks. And that'd that would be, be that would be irony. That'd be something out of a movie. Um, but no, I don't I don't do it. I, I just don't do it because you. Just, I wouldn't either. They need a quarterback. There's too much question marks with all the other quarterbacks coming out. Two is the best, second best, I think, on that draft board, and he's got his hip injury. Yeah. You take you have the you have the position. You take it. You you take Joe Burrow. Unless, like I said, four first round picks, two two second round picks, and then me and the staff are having a conversation. And then we move from there. I think it's safe to say before we move on to our, our final topic yep. uh, that that no one's going to do that, and that it's going to be Joe Burrow going first overall. We'll get to we'll get to April and it'll be minute left, and they'll say, "Oh, the pick is in," and it'll be Joe Burrow, LSU quarterback, Cincinnati, and that'll be. And then we'll move on to Washington. Who's going to take you know Chase Young? They'll take Chase Young, and then. Detroit will pick the corner. I, I apologize if I can't pronounce his name. The cornerback from uh, Ohio State. And then the draft will start at number four. Wait, what What are the Giants going to do at number four? Because then Dolphins take or pick at five, and who's going to jockey for that position for Tua? Well, I know we, we mocked the Pro Bowl a little bit earlier, saying there's no football coming up this weekend. Because it's it's kind of like it's I mean it's an all star game it's cool there's some fun events but it's really not if you're used to watching competitive football all season it's not fun <laughs> it's just it's not it's it's pretty lame honestly um, but they are trying some interesting things in the Pro Bowl they decided to try a few new rule changes out in the Pro Bowl we're gonna get to one of them cause yeah because one, one of them is just really weird it, it has it, to do with. Uh, it's establishing receivers. It's and, just it's minutia. It's just something they're trying to clean up that they're throwing out there. If you want to go on ESPN or NFL.com and read that rule, that's fine. But I I think it's boring for us to talk about it because it's just it's too much procedures and such. I think we should get on the other subject. Uh, top, uh, other rule change. The other rule change I really like. It is an intriguing rule change. I think I think it's fun. I think it adds to the game. And it, 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 there's a punishment, not not legit punishment, but you do pay for it if you don't succeed. Oh yeah, you do. It is a altering the rules for the onside kick where they are now. Well, that they actually changed before this season. Before you try the onside kick, your uh, every, every, everybody could get a running start. And the ball had to travel 10 yards, and then the kicking team could touch it and try to maintain possession, unless it was touched by the offense first. Right. Bear with me here. Follow me, guys. They changed it before this season. I guess it was player safety, whatever, mm-hmm. to say you could no longer get a running start. And successful onside kick percentage plummeted. Oh, yeah, it did. So now it kind of takes away from the, the, the drama at the end of a game, the competitiveness at the end of a game. So what they're trying now 
is instead of trying to kick and get the ball back, what you do is you go to your 25-yard line and you have a 4th and 15. If you convert that, then the drive just continues with a first down as normal. Makes sense. If you fail, the opposing team gets the ball where the ball was spotted. Which, if you if it's an incomplete pass, which I would assume most of these things would be passes because you're not going to try a whole lot of 4 and 15 runs when you're doing an onside kick with a game on the line. Right. It, it adds a couple different elements to it because now a team that might be, you know, kind of on a hot streak has a fourth and 15. If they're down by, you know, a score, convert that, and then they just keep driving. It could also add, if you're a team who's up by two or three touchdowns and you really just want to put that nail in the coffin of your opponent, you could just say, oh, we're going to try to uh, convert it onside here. So that's my only question. What is there a limit how many times you can do this thing in a game? It doesn't say that in here. Is it going to be a rule that you have to be down? That That's something, yeah. I don't know if they figured that out yet, honestly, because I haven't seen anything on so that. That's, that's going to be my question is, do you have to be down in the game to do this onside kick? Because I don't know. So if Kansas City is like playing Miami and they're up like 28 to nothing in the first or second, early second quarter. Right. And they're like, hey, you know what? We just want to end this right now. We want to go up by, th- by, you know, by five scores and just rest our guys in the second half. We're just going to go for it here. We're, we're going to see if we can convert, get keep the ball. I mean, I would think they would have to. They, but what they may end up doing, if this if this actually works out well, is say... Okay, well, if you're up, you have to do it the traditional way. Which would obviously take a lot of the surprise out of it. Yeah. You could just line up differently. You can figure it out. Yeah. You can only do the 4th and 15 if you're down. And I think it should, see, I think it should be that. I think the, 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 this rule should be in place for end of game, five minutes left in the game. Oh, That's okay, it. yeah, That's you mean it. like, you, you, okay, yeah. And I you have to be down. Because I, I just don't, I think it's too much, it's it's too much, it's too much, it's just too much. I don't know what a word, a word to put, it's too much. It's kind of weird. I do like it, I, and, I, and I don't, I, I hope they do adopt this rule, but I, I can't, I just don't see it being... You can do it as many times as you want. Yeah, it just and it doesn't matter if you're up or down. It it's kind of strange in that aspect, but I could also see it could also backfire if you're a team that's down by two or three or up by two or three scores, and then you try that and you fail, and the other team starts scoring and then they start rolling. You know, it kind of bites you in the ass. But, but if you're a team like Kansas City who has a prolific passing offense. You could, if you don't put limitations on it, you could literally just sit there and go boom, 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 and all of a sudden, it's the end of the first quarter and you're up thirty-five nothing. Because well, I mean, Kansas City can do that without that rule in place. They can do twenty-eight nothing. I've seen. Yeah, but, but yeah. I, I think I think you just you're setting a bad precedent if you just allow it whenever. I think 
the last five minutes of the game is a fair point to start. And I think they're doing this is because they, I think it's because they saw a rise in the success rate from last year to this year. It rose 5%. Inside cake success? Yes. It It went from 7.7 last year to 12.9 this year. Wow. It's because teams get creative, correct? Oh, absolutely. You have to. Jamie Collins, right? Remember he uh, would hop the long snapper and block the kick? What did they do? They banned it. Yeah. Player safety, but they banned it. So now you have to go around, and you can't launch off somebody. And if you even touch one of the players on the offensive line, it's considered leaping player safety. Though I think that's it. It it, it falls into the same category. Is that teams are just going to get so creative to try to get this onside kick that they're going to eliminate player safety because they want to get the ball. Because coaches all they think about is on for onside kick, uh, we gotta get the ball back. Right. We gotta figure out some way to get that ball back. Right. And they're gonna throw I mean, I think the coaches want the players to be safe. Sure. But when they're thinking of this, they wanna get the ball. Where the NFLPA, the NFL office, safety player, whatever I don't know what their title is, they're looking at it saying and they've been doing this for years. How do we eliminate the kickoff? Because they don't do it in the Pro Bowl anymore. How do we eliminate the? How do we eliminate this? Well, here's how we eliminate the on-size kick. I think if you eliminate the kickoff, you're taking away a big part of the game. I agree. I think that'd be a very big mistake. I think you've you've contained it enough to the point where you eliminate the wedges, eliminated um the running up, you eliminate a lot of the stuff that's going to cause. You most can't of hit a quarterback at all anymore. Right. <laughs> you've eliminated enough to the point where okay. This is the best you're going to probably get it without eliminating the play altogether. Because you eliminate that play. How many players' jobs? You never hear of Don Beebe, Larry Izzo, Matt Slater, D'Angelo Hall. A lot of these players you don't you don't hear of. Yeah, these guys excelled in special teams. Devin Hester. You don't hear of him. Half of Prime's game was at the beginning of his career was punt returning. Some of his best highlights is when he was an Atlanta Falcon. Returning punts. Eliminated. Sorry. You can't you can't do it. So I like this as a as a sort of negotiating. Yeah, sure. But, but it has to be has to be something more to it. Right. Yeah, I agree. You have to contain it. Because you, like I said, like your point, your point. You could just oh, I want to do an on-tax kick fourth and fifteen. And it just goes on and on and on. And if you have such a prolific offense, by halftime you can be up 55 nothing, And now you don't have a game anymore. Oh, it's it's the Pro Bowls. So that that kind of happens at kickoff. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, I mean, wait, no, it doesn't because you don't do a kickoff. No, but if we juxtapose it to a, an actual regular game. Yeah. Well, now it's time for us to be homers for this section of the show. And well, little well, little little, well. little bonus feature here, folks. So, apparently, ESPN, uh, the 
lead pitchfork carrier in Roger Goodell's angry mob against the Patriots apologized for their, what they're calling, uh, I believe it was uh, unfounded assumptions about Deflategate, to which everybody who has ever passed, I don't know, like fourth grade science class. Yeah, about that. Or driven a car where you have like, you know, you can push your little meter on your dashboard or not your dashboard on your, on your like center console will tell you what your air pressure is in your tires. Yep. And like you get in your car and it's really cold uh-huh. and then you drive a few miles and it warms up and all of a sudden the air pressure changes. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's ever done that would have said, yeah, no kidding. Like, like a month ago when I went out to my car the next morning and all of a sudden my, uh, my tire gauge said, oh, your tire's flat. Yeah. And he drove around for a few minutes and then it was fine. Right. That's what happens. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, just want to point it out. Future Hall of Famer Eli Manning and the great football god himself, Aaron Rodgers, both admitted, mind you, in interviews that they have on tape that everybody laughed about after they said it, that they tried to alter the weight of the balls because it helped them grip it better. Yes. They admitted this. They said it. Aaron Rodgers wants his over. Inflated. Overinflated because apparently, and, and there's no joke here, apparently he has big hands, like oversized hands. I see you smirking. I'm not making any kind of joke. It's a family-ish show. Let's, you know, let's not, let's not go there. Trying to restrain my yeah. and Michael Scott. But no, apparently he has, according to him, maybe he's overcompensating, he has large hands, and it makes it easier to grip the football. If he overinflates it. And he's, his exact words were, I just hope they don't catch me. Not because they would do a witch hunt, because they would never touch Aaron Rodgers. No, he is the great and powerful Aaron Rodgers. I know we're getting a little, a little over the top with the sarcasm here, guys. A little bit. But, but it, is, it, it is get a, a little irritating when you have somebody admit to doing something and it's okay. And then they just think that somebody did the same exact thing with very little or no evidence. Besides what everybody reports as rampant speculation. And all of a sudden... It's just gospel because oh, ESPN said it. What, what what everyone would go to that's anti-patriot is, well, why did Tom destroy his cell phone? Well, can't we just – the evidence says he, he didn't do it. Oh, but he, he destroyed his cell no, – the, the evidence the, – the, go out to your car in the morning after it's cold. That's here's, what happens. And here's the thing. I have nothing to hide. I am an honest, everyday, hardworking guy. I have nothing on my phone that I'd be ashamed of. No one's looking at my phone. That's mine. I don't look at your phone. It's property rights. I've known you for two decades now. It's property. It's his own property. Why does everybody have the right to know it's on Tom Brady's phone? Because the angry mob of Patriot haters and Roger Goodell and ESPN who wants ratings and clickbait want to know what's on there. That doesn't give you the right to go after somebody's personal property at all. Nope. Grow up. Grow the hell up. Anywho, off our, uh, off our soapbox now. Well, that just didn't wrap it up, I think, unless you have anything else. No, no, I think I'm all set. All right. You know the drill, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you very much for listening. And if you have any comments or opinions on anything we talked about, whether it be Eli or Cincinnati trading the first pick potentially, 
you know, the BS that was Deflategate or, and, you know, have a real discussion on that one, not just we hate the Patriots. Or, you know, the Pro Bowl, the new rules are trying out on the Pro Bowl. Please let us know. And, Ben, how can they do that? Well, they can go on Instagram and they can hit us up at Ben underscore Chris Talk Football. They can go on uh, Twitter, Ben Chris Talk F L one Or they can go on Facebook where they'll see the uh, Banker Tank Championship post next week at Ben and Chris Talk Football. And if you want to throw a couple ideas at us for the next couple episodes, please do. Yeah, if something you guys want to hear, we're always willing to listen and see what we can come up with. All right, for Ben, I am Chris. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you right back here Tuesday morning. Thank you.